And welcome to Across the County, where it's all about what matters locally to you. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, the last time I had this man in studio was it actually it was on the phone, and now he's in studio. This is even better. We did not have nearly enough time to catch up for the bad that I pulled, which was the 15-year hiatus of having him on my show. Well, Mark Stockwell Moniz author and patriot, is back on the show, full half-hour discussion, author of one of my favorite books, George Washington's Unsung Heroes. It was rediscovering that book that got me to connect with him once again. Mark, welcome back into the studio. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Noah. Same here. I'm glad to be back. Well, there's so much to get to, and we have a half an hour, and so we can really get into the weeds on so many different things. I want to start off because, as I was mentioning to you before the show, I think and I ponder quite a bit why we broke away from Britain so many years ago. And I look at our government and our nation today, and I think personally we are in far worse shape than we ever were then. And again, I never condone or am I asking for violence, but when is enough enough? Because America is going to get to the breaking point if certain things don't change. Well, I agree. Um, Of course, we never want violence, and hopefully that never comes to that. Uh, I would be totally against that. However, things do have to change, as as you have suggested. Um, Back in the colonial days, we had uh, a very free people, even even while connected to the British Empire. The American people, whichever one of the 13 colonies they lived in, really enjoyed being under the protection of the great and grand British Empire. Sure. But... Um, things came to a head when taxes were being imposed upon the colonists, specifically in Massachusetts. And this is all because of the French and Indian War, where all, known in, in Europe as the Seven Years' War, but the French and Indian War virtually bankrupt the United Kingdom. And what they were saying to us was, okay, you're 18 years old, it's time for you to start paying your way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, taxes were imposed, as we all know, the famous Boston Tea Party, and we could have actually bought our tea cheaper from the British than from the great American patriot, John Hancock, who was actually a smuggler, but we would rather pay higher monies for Hancock's tea than British tea, because it was principle as far as the Americans were concerned. They didn't want to get taxed on this tea. But today, we have so many taxes. We have income tax, payroll tax, property tax, consumption tax. What's consumption tax? Well, sales tax. Some states don't have it, but some do. Value-added tax, tariffs, and death tax, as if you've worked all your life, now the government is going to take it from you. Not only that, the inheritance tax, the assets that you have left your family, they're going to get taxed for inheriting it. I think it's safe to say, Mark, that we literally, and maybe there are a few areas here and there, very small, but I think for the majority of the things we deal with in life, we are taxed at each and every turn, and it's not right. It isn't right. And then there are things like fees and tolls, okay? Massachusetts State Turnpike, a pike, okay, is actually a road that you pay to be on. 
In California, we call them freeways, but they're actually not free because you're paying for Caltrans through your state income tax to keep the roads up, but you don't have to go through this every 20-mile stop and throw a quarter into the bucket. Well, no. now, well now, Mark, if, if they have their way, they want to impose a national mileage tax for every mile any American ever drives. That is absolutely insane. It is insane, and it's multi-layered. You have Sandag, local Sandag, wants to tax mileage. The state of California wants to tax, and the federal government does too. So right there... You already have three levels of government that want to put a mileage um, tax on your car. You know, people with limited incomes, unfortunately, those who paycheck to paycheck, middle class, doesn't matter whether you're lower, middle, upper. The, the backbone of America. The backbone of America suffers for another tax. If you ever look at your utility bill, some of this, unless you call them a really or, or, or an expert at reading your utility bill, what is this regulatory? This it's just it's amazing. I mean, I try not to look at it every once in a while. I do so I can simultaneously laugh at it but I'm really mad at it. I was just going to say, it's rather frustrating. I used to look at it all the time and I'm like, okay, it's gone up a little bit too. And what are they using this stuff for? Exactly. But but you, you have to laugh because it's so entrenching on each one of our lives. Exactly. And that's just, again, that's government control. You must pay this or you won't get the service. Cut off, cut off your water, cut off your electricity. Well, and that's where I think people right now especially need to be vocal with uh, the people at their local level, especially first, and then take it higher if you have to, that we're not okay with the status quo and that we need to have things done in a different manner because America has thrived for so long for certain reasons and it hasn't ever been for government overreach. It's never been for government overreach, and that's unfortunately what we have because it's called career politicians. Let's see, I'll get on the city council, and from there, I'll run for mayor. Once I attain mayorship, then maybe I'll go um, try to get elected on the county um, supervisors and another stepping stone, and then try to make that statewide lieutenant governor. Governor, oh, wow, I could run for president. These are career politicians, and no matter what level you are at in a um, political job, in an elected political job, there's got to be term limits. That, that It's just as simple as that because this is not working for us. Some of those people in Congress have been in their particular seats of power for far too long, decades, and they do things that the majority of America doesn't like, and they still stay there. And I've always said that that is the solution. And even if you do a good job, do a great job in the limited term that you have, and it makes you work extra hard. And to be quite frank, you have to be extra honest if you're going to get elected and, you know, pass on a legacy. Right, exactly. And I, I think there's one American senator that is, well, actually two, but one in particular, because he's been there so long, Senator Manchin, he's trying to do the right thing because he knows this infrastructure I agree. bill I agree. is just really rotten to the core because it, it doesn't really have much to do with infrastructure. 
And it's very little. Very little. It is so convoluted and it's so many pages, like 2,000 pages long. And to really grasp what is in it is hard. But he knows that this will bankrupt the country. You know, and that's Mark at the end of the day, by the way, we are with Mark Stockwell Moniz, author of George Washington's Unsung Heroes, as well as a new book we're going to be talking about in just a bit, Fog on the Hill. General Gage, here we are. Come get us the Battle of Bunker Hill. But that gives me hope. When you see people from the other side, and I never, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have an R or a D after your name. If you're trying to better America, I'm on board. I'm for policy. I'm right. not I'm not for party. Right. So when you see people like, like Senator Manchin try and come and do the right thing, that is so hopeful to me that this nation still has breath and heart left. Absolutely. And let's, let us not forget our neighbor state, Arizona, uh, Senator Cinema, she's also trying to do the right thing. I think perhaps the bottom line for both of them is they want to get reelected. Of course. Again, career politicians. But really tell me why you oppose this bill because you know it's not right, not because you want to get reelected. When you go into the area of career politicians, well, and th- this particular part of the discussion right here, is it, it amazes me that you have some Republicans that, I mean, to be quite honest, they should either be independents or Democrats per se, just based on how they vote. And, you know, they, and people, conservatives, true conservatives like myself, like you, um, you know, I'm disgusted with them. But then you have people on the other side, like Senator Manchin, and the, yeah, they do have a certain set of values, but they're like, okay, at the end of the day, this is not what is best for America. So I'm going to make sure and I hold the line. And that is where the buck stops right there. If you're going to do the right thing, you know, you could be any party under the sky and it does not matter to me. But there are even Republicans out there that are supposed to hold conservative values and they're just not standing up for it. They're not. So case in point, the 13 representatives in the House that voted for um, Mr. Biden's bill. So what is that? I mean, that that that's just capitulation. It's just not right. Um, of course, it's the same coin because the Republicans are on the uh, other side of that same coin. They talk a good game. They occasionally do the right thing. But at the end of the day, they feel more comfortable often being the opposition because then they can moan and complain about things. But when they're in power... They have to implement the policies that they stand for, that the center-right America, which is the vast majority of Americans, want. Well, and that's why, Mark, I think there's two particular parts of the Republican Party nowadays. The ones that are entrenched there do not hold the majority of values within mainstream America. It's that true conservative new Republican uh, way of thinking that is kind of sweeping the country right now. Yes, it is. And both parties have such infighting right now. And it, it's obvious. Um, one thing you can say about the Democrats, when they gain power, they use it. They, they won. You know, on day one, they're running. Their feet hit the ground and they're off. They're not walking. They're running. Keystone pipeline canceled day one. Yeah. As well as, I, I forget the exact 
uh, numerical count, but Joe Biden did so many things on day one that, um, yeah, executive orders galore, and it's taken us to this point now. We're not even a year into the into his presence. Well, that's what's scary, Mark, is we have three years left of this. And I know that, you know, the midterms are coming up. We'll see how that shakes out. But I, I really truly don't know how America is going to survive three more years of this progressive agenda. Like, it, it's scary when you really think about it. Right. It's it's not the old Democrat party. No, not at all. No. So my, my parents, for instance, I grew up in Boston, and they were just old-time Democrats. They probably couldn't even tell you why they were old-time Democrats because everybody was. I remember going to Washington, D.C. with my father to Tip O'Neill's office, Speaker of the House one time. It was, it was like entering a cathedral. It was, uh, he was like a saint or something. Um, but that's, that's so long gone because that was the John Kennedy party. I was just going to say JFK today would either be an independent, but I personally think he would be a Republican. I really do. I, I do too. And uh, so that shows in, well, let's see, 60 years, even less than that, of course, that the Democrat party has changed with a very, very loud vocal minority that seems to have just taken the nation by storm. I mean, frankly, who are these people? They are at best 13, maybe 15% of the population. At best, you're absolutely right. At at best. And most people are in the middle. And this is why on the air every night on one of our stations here in San Diego, I literally pray for our nation because I really think that is going to be what continues to save this nation is the hand of God, Mark. I I have no doubt in my mind. Right. I I agree with with you too, Noah. I mean, the importance of prayer is strength that people derive from their prayer. It gives them strength to do things, to say things, to stand up for things. This crazy cancel culture. When I was a kid, cancel culture, what what are you talking about? And this is another thing about the Democrats in the far left progressive. They have monopolized or they have hijacked literally words, the English language. And I remember uh, Mr. Cooley asking me on his radio show, you know, uh, why did you want to become a journalist? And I said, well, at the time, I didn't want to become a journalist, but I was interesting in, interested in words and interesting in what words mean. And the, the, the far-left Democrats put these phrases together and, the, and twist words around that up is down and, and in is out that type of thing usually whatever they say it amazes me when they name a bill because it's you can bank on it whatever it says in the title is exactly the opposite exactly like the infrastructure bill Uh, i don't know percentage wise exactly how much money is earmarked for the infrastructure bill but i know it's it's not even half it's it's actually quite low and where is all this other money going to what the performing arts well, God bless the performing arts people, but you're not part of the infrastructure of the United States. You might be part of the culture of the United States, but you are not a bridge, you are not a road, you're not an airport, or a bus terminal, or a railway station, or anything of that kind that strength physically strengths, strengthens the, 
the um, the physical United States. And back to prayer here in just a second, because I, I think it's so tremendously important. As I said, I do it every day on the air because I believe prayer and God is going to get this nation through. It's so nice of you to give me a copy of Prayers for Today or Tomorrow, uh, which is a little booklet that, that you have got together for prayers that you've written and said aloud over the years. And it's tremendous. And people can also get a copy of this. But first, Tell us exactly how it came together over the years, what it means to you personally. Um, I felt an obligation to the great architect of the universe, commonly known as God, to praise him and his son Jesus to write prayers in a form of poems. They're prayerish poems, a poemish prayers, whatever you want to call it. And I had a lot of fun writing it too. Um, it was an obligation. I, I just had to do it. And uh, just like I love writing history, I also love writing poems. Did some of them come from experiences in life? Oh, absolutely. And um, in knowing who I am, that's another thing about prayer. It helps you find out who you are. And I wrote this little prayer book, which people can receive for just postage and handling. You can contact me at my website, amrevpub at cox.net. So I'll spell it for you. A-M-R-E-V-P-U-B at cox.net. Yeah, please reach out to Mark because again, I, I'm tremendously honored to have a copy of this myself and it's beautiful and the the poems, the the prayers are so touching and it can really help you, I believe, in different aspects of your life. It's called Prayers for Today or Tomorrow. Use this as you go through your daily trials and tribulations that we're all going through right now. It's, I think, tremendously going to help you. And again, thank you for, for my copy as well, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, and people can also get your new book, which is tremendously exciting, Fog on the Hill, General Gage, Here We Are, Come Get Us, The Battle of Bunker Hill. Now, we all know that the Battle of Bunker Hill was tremendously important, but what I would like to know today on the show on Across the County, Mark Stockwell-Moniz, is what lessons from that battle can be applied to today? Simply, you have to stand up for your rights. You have to stand up for what you believe in, and um, that was the lesson I got from the Battle of Bunker Hill. It's a simple lesson. It's straightforward. Just stand up for what you believe in and make it happen. And we did. What was your favorite uh, moment of the battle? I know there's a lot that goes into the book. Maybe a, a, a particular soldier that was involved in the battle that was inspiring to you. Well, that would have to be Colonel William Prescott of Massachusetts. He was an old warrior that for, fought for the British in the French and Indian War but he was one of the men who led the Massachusetts troops into the Battle of Bunker Hill, and he was fearless. He kept the men toiling during the midnight hours up until early morning, building the earthen redoubt on top of what we know we call Bunker Hill, but it's actually Breed's Hill. And for those who really want to know what it was, it was actually Russell's pasture. Breed's Hill didn't exist. The family breed, the breed family, had pasture adjacent to the Russell's pasture, 
But for whatever reason, the Battle of Bunker Hill was fought on what became known as Breed's Hill, but there was no Breed's Hill at the time. There was only Bunker Hill, which was set in the background, where we were supposedly, this is an argument with historians, whether the, the orders were issued to build the readout on Bunker Hill. But once the officers uh, took uh, the promontory of Bunker Hill and looked out over the peninsula of Charlestown, they thought it best, we believe, we don't know who it was, I believe it was General Putnam of Connecticut who insisted on building the redoubt on the smaller promontory that is known as Breed's Hill. But as I tell you, for those who, those who really want to know, it's called Russell's Pasture. And I explain this in the book. That's fascinating. It's just it's a topogra- topographical um, insight into where the battle was fought, but you have to stand and make uh, your position known, and that's this is simply what it was. Um, the Battle of Bunker Hill happened two months after Lexington and Concord of the famed Paul Revere ride. Um, the regulars are out. Not the British are coming. The British are out. The regulars were out because that's what the the army was known as the British army, the regulars, the regular troops. So um, that really is probably the best uh, takeaway from the Battle of Bunker Hill. At some point, you have to make a stand, which a lot of people today in contemporary America are waking up and making a stand. And that's very encouraging. That's another reason why I tremendously think that this country has a long way to go because you're having people finally stand up and say, you know what, my freedoms are worth something. You know, what? no matter what their views are on any particular issue, my freedoms come first. Right. And so they're standing up more and more each and every day, and that's something that I hope continues. Right, exactly. And it's gotten to where the government, as we know, is starting to intrude physically into your body with the mandate of a vaccine. Oh, exactly. What we call a vaccine, but perhaps the right word is a uh, experimental um, drug. And and again, you know, I know people on both sides of the aisle, and if you do want to get it, and if you've done your research, that's fabulous. That's your American right. Absolutely. I've done my research, and I know which way I stand, and that's my American right as well. Absolutely. And these, once you let government start to whittle away at this, there's no going back. It's It's the same as departments that have been created in the United States or policies that have been created. Once they're entrenched, there's no going back. You know, you you mentioned about the departments, and we'll get back to Fog on the Hill in just a moment. I have another question on the book. But you said there were two departments in the very beginning. That's correct. And now there are, I mean, I don't even have enough fingers for the departments that are in the United States, and we don't need most of them, Mark. Exactly. I, 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 my best count right now is about 15. But within the 15, there are countless agencies. Sure. So they might as well be departments unto themselves. Right. Um, you can't have the EPA, which is really not a department, but you have the EPA under Mr. Obama telling a farmer that his little cow drinking hole in the middle of his pasture miles out in the back 40 
is a waterway and that the federal government has a right to tell this farmer yeah. that this waterway uh, uh, is not yours and will control it. And this, that's government overreach. I have this al- is crazy. I have always thought, and I still believe it to this day, that the only really department that needs to be there is the Department of Defense so that the, the military can protect the citizens. And, and that's it. Right. So, for instance, when General Washington became president, we really didn't even have a Department of Defense. We had what was called, um, well, it was one man. It was uh, General Henry Knox, who was Secretary of War. And I don't know of an actual title of a department that he uh, was uh, overlord of. We, mm-hmm. just, we had Treasury and we had State. We had two departments. We had Mr. Hamilton at Treasury and uh, Thomas Jefferson at State. So the whole federal government was General Washington as president, John Adams, our vice president, Thomas Jefferson at State, Alexander, Alexander Hamilton at Treasury, and Henry Knox as Secretary of War. Wow, you can count it on one hand. One hand, five people. All right, five people. Oh, wow. Can, I wish we could go back to that. <laughs> I mean, maybe wishful thinking. We'll see. But uh, a couple of minutes left here and across the county with one of my favorite people and guests, uh, Mark Stockwell Moniz. He's an author and I think a true patriot. Get uh, his book, Prayers for Today or Tomorrow. Mark, what's the email address again they can uh, ask for a copy at? MRevPovitCox.net. And for your book, Fog on the Hill, they can get that at the usual spots where you pick up best selling books. General Gage here, we are come get us the Battle of Bunker Hill. Is there a particular unsung hero in this book that maybe people have not heard of that did tremendous things at that particular battle? Well, I would, um, my first impression with that question is uh, Colonel Stark of New Hampshire. Now, if you've ever seen a New Hampshire license plate, it says live free or die. And he's the one that coined that phrase. He later rose to the rank of general, but he is a, um, a hero of the Battle of Bunker Hill. He knew exactly where to go and what to do. He, amongst all the participants, is probably the only one that wasn't in a fog, in the fog of war. Um, he took his men down to the beach, the very small beach that was uh, adjacent to the Mystic River, Mm -hmm. and he knew the British were going to try to flank the Americans at this point. And he set up uh, um, his own little toll road, if you will. He built a small little um, barricade, and he had his men who were uh, excellent marksmen in three rows, men kneeling, men standing behind them, and men behind those people, and it would be one, two, three, one, two, three. And at that point, very early in the battle, he decimated about 93 Redcoats who were walking into a hail of bullets. Why? Because they were ordered to. The British were great soldiers. They were following orders, but they were being ordered to die. But General Stark knew exactly where to go. That certainly was one of the... um, the highlights of the American effort at the Battle of Bunker Hill. 
That's awesome. And I think, you know, a lot of people know, especially myself, I'm a huge Civil War buff and I'm a huge history buff, but a lot of people, Mark, really don't know enough, I believe, about the Revolutionary War, the lessons that were, you know, so just involved around the entire thing, some of the people that just made a tremendous difference and were such patriotic Americans. And so that's why I love having you on the show to be able to talk about these things, because I think we can really learn about where we're going if we truly remember everything about where we've been. We have to know our history. And a person who doesn't know the history of the nation is a person devoid of some of the history of themselves. You have to know what happened previously so you can avoid the bad mistakes and learn from them. So history is very important and rarely taught. It's the emphasis or the, the, the origination of why I wrote these books because I hope that children um, get to read these books. Uh, the latest one, Fog on the Hill, you can find at Amazon.com. Um, and I hope you continue to write these because, yeah. you, you know, I, I believe what you just said is so important. If kids and children especially read this or maybe the parents just add this to their curriculum – you're going to have uh, an education explosion that's really going to show kids where we truly have come from instead of this revisionist history. That's what it is. It's a revisionist history. And we talked about this previously uh, on your show. Um, they, being the revisionists, lie. They omit. They conveniently twist facts. And you repeat it enough. People are going to believe that. Mm. And we know who did that in the 20th century, not in our nation, but a very famous propagandist, a man named Joseph Goebbels. And people in Germany believed these lies that they were telling. So that's what we have to stop here in the United States. Well, and that's why books like George Washington's Unsung Heroes, Prayers for Today or Tomorrow, and Fog on the Hill are so tremendously important because people can learn, people can get educated. Mark, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for coming in studio and really just sharing your heart and the direction you think the country is going and also a little bit about what goes into your work. It's a true privilege. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate the nice compliments and uh, keep up the good work yourself. It's a good service to uh, the county and whomever else may hear your show. Well, I appreciate it. And this is not the last time we'll be talking, my friend. Noah here and across the county. And you can definitely get all three of these amazing books, Prayer for Today or Tomorrow, Fog on the Hill, George Washington's Unsung Heroes. And real quickly, as we leave, uh, Mark, give out the email address one more time. Amrevpub at cox.net, A-M-R-E-V-P-U-B at cox.net, or go to amazon.com. We'll see you next time on Across the County.